Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Hey, welcome to church. If you're new, my name is Wade Owens, and we're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, we hope you feel welcome. We hope you feel invited. We want to say welcome home to you. I know it feels cramped. It feels a little tight in here, and that's great. We are praying already about what a third service would look like and what it's going to mean to continue to grow. There's a couple of things that you can do between now and when we prayerfully add a third service. One is we have more room at 9 a.m. And so if you have the flexibility to come to our 9 a.m. service, we have more seats available at 9 a.m. Two, we already have an additional seating room set up right across the foyer over there where the service is streamed in there. But we're working every week towards making that more of like a coffee house feel and vibe in there. So that venue is going to keep getting better and better. So two things that you can do right now is, well, really three. One, don't stop coming <laughs> because the, the more you come, the more you invite, the quicker we get to a third service. But the nine o'clock has more seats and two, we do have additional seating and we're working on making that a coffee house venue. But I'm just excited to be about, uh, be a part of a church where we have to keep setting out chairs. Amen. Amen. Hey, and also, um, I, I am grateful to be your pastor, but last week I, if I got one text, I got a hundred during the Texans game. So I'm a Texans fan. I come from Houston and they were texts like, Hey, is anxiety pulling up a seat at your table? Is (laughs) And so it is not fair for you to use the sermon against me. (laughs) Not at all. So bless you for that. Um, Seriously, I I love what God's doing here. In fact, during our uh, huddle, we have a pre-team huddle every every week at 830. And uh, we always do a break because we're a fun culture here. One of our leadership values is laugh loud and often. And we broke on tighten up. So I tried to do that for you all today. I'm going to break on Jesus next week, and if y'all don't clap as loud, then seriously, glad you're here. We're in week two of a series called Renewing the Soul, and we're seeing what Jesus has to say about issues of anxiety, depression, and loneliness, and I know it's a chipper subject. You're welcome, but the reality is we're looking at how God longs to be our shepherd. And we said last week that a shepherd is just someone who leads or guides or directs. And good shepherds, they provide and they protect. And everyone has a shepherd. Everyone has someone or something leading you around. And we talked about anxiety last week being the number one treated uh, issue with doctors and physicians and clinicians. But this week, as we talk about depression, you need to know it is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Over 17 million Americans face it. There are 264 people, million people worldwide that deal with it. And it is most acute at 18 to 25, although it can spike at any point in your life. And if you're here today and you have clinical depression, we just want you to know, hey, man, we see you. We know that you're here and we want to say, hey, let us help you. Let us help you see a doctor. Let us help you get help. And you may feel like, hey, something's wrong with me or something's broken inside of me. We just want to dignify you and say, welcome home. You're, you're around and you're with a bunch of other broken people, even if that's not our issue. We want you to know, hey, man, Jesus sees you. And listen, as we talk about anxiety and depression and loneliness, that may not be you. But statistically, like we looked at last week, it's very likely someone close to you. 
But even if it's not you, and even if it's not someone close to you, don't, don't check out because everyone struggles with something and everyone has someone or something leading you around. And for years, I didn't struggle with anxiety or depression, but I struggled with purpose and joy. I just felt like I got up on a weekly basis and was like, man, miserable mediocrity, comfortable complacency day after day. I have battled depression in my life. I've had those issues, but I know what it's like to wake up and go, there's got to be something more. Everyone in this room has a shepherd, has someone or something that's leading you around. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a extracurricular activity for those of you who are in high school or junior high. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an image of yourself that you're trying to create, but someone, someone or something is leading you around. And what we're saying, Hey, if it's not Jesus, then you've picked a shepherd that will fail you. And the answer to, man, finding freedom and knowing joy and knowing your purpose and making a difference in the world isn't some Christian bumper sticker answer. The answer isn't ignoring our issues because we all have them. The, The answer is a champion named Jesus who wants to fight for you. And our goal here at the church at Knowlesville is just to tell you about Jesus. And to remind you, man, you're not alone. God is for you and he's fighting for you. And God understands we get stressed. We have issues in this life. And he's offering to walk with you and to walk through these issues with you. And the good news is, we looked at last week, man, we, we have a shepherd. And that's the good news. We have the greatest of all shepherd. But the bad news is, we're the sheep. Look at your neighbor and go, meh. Yes, sheep, dirty, smelly, not very high, high IQ, prone to wonder, prone to leave. Sheep, in in 2005 in Istanbul, Turkey, you can look this story up. There were shepherds who led around 1,500 sheep into a field, got them into a green pasture, and then took a break to have some breakfast, only to realize in a few minutes that all of their sheep were off the cliff. The first head sheep went up, jumped off a 400-foot ravine, and then all 1,500 sheep followed suit. They tried to stop them, but they all were just following one another. All off of a cliff, 1,500 sheep uh, jumped and 400 died. I know some of y'all are good at math. That's not all of them, right? So only 400 died. Do you know why? True story. There's this massive pile of cotton that the rest of them fell onto. They just piled up. It's funny, but it's sad. The first one jumped, man. The rest of them just, oh, let's go that way. And the first 400 died, and then they broke the fall of the next 1,100. They ended up losing close to $100,000 of livestock, and the average annual income of a family in that area is $3,000. It devastated a community. The shepherds just took a break, thought the sheep were fine, and the sheep jumped off a cliff. True story. We're here to tell you about the shepherd that, that doesn't take breaks. The shepherd that tries to keep us from running off of cliffs. The shepherd that says, you have issues, you're broken, you have failed, you have messed up, and you pretend that you're perfect, but you're not, but I am, so follow me. And we're looking at one of the most well-known verses of Scripture in all of the Bible, Psalm 23. And I know it's really well known and I know it's popular, but, but it's true. 
It is God's word. It is from the same Jesus who left heaven and was crucified and rose again and is seated right now at the right hand of God and is coming back to get us. And he's giving us a promise. He's saying, hey, I want to be your shepherd. Hey, I want you to follow me. Would you, would you like that to be true? And so we're, we're just slow walking Psalm 23 and just kind of chewing on all of the meat that's in it. And last week we looked at verses 1 through 3. This week we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. And I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of reading God's word as we read Psalm 23. And I tell you every week, man, I really do ask you. Yeah, we can go ahead and stand together. And I ask you to bring a copy of God's word. I want you to know, hey, wait, not making this stuff up. This is God's words, not his And we preach out of the CSB, Christian Standard Bible, here. But uh, last week, this week, and next week, we're going New King James because it's the most popular version of Psalm 23. But bring a copy of God's Word. Soak in it. See it. And so we will read um, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. David says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today we look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So God, your word is truth. Your word is life. And you are the good shepherd, and we are sheep. We don't want to run off cliffs. We want to be led beside still waters, led in the paths of righteousness, even led through valleys as we'll talk today. And so God, remind us that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are the champion who has conquered all of our enemies, and we just want to follow you. Open our hearts, God. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So if you're new, part of our custom here is we love to go back and just slow walk through these verses. And so we believe that the word of God is life and powerful. And so I want to go back to verse four here. And I just want to look back through this verse. And, And David says this, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? What's the word? You are with me, your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. If you look through the progression of what David is saying, you'll see a shift from the Lord, just a noun, a definition, the Lord. Then he goes to he, which is third person. He's talking about someone. But now he's shifted to second person, you. He's gone very personal here. See, if you're talking about someone, then then they don't have to be with you. They don't have to be near you. They don't have to be in your presence. You can just talk about someone. But David... David is using second person here. He's talking to someone. David doesn't have an iPhone. He can't text. He doesn't have Snapchat or he can't direct message someone. He is in the presence of God. He is with God and he is talking to God. And he says, you, it's personal. I love it. You got to see this. It's personal. He says, your rod and your staff, man, they comfort me. David was like, I don't have a rod and I don't have a staff, but my shepherd has one. I don't have to fight my own battles. Sheep don't have to roll up their wool and go to fight. 
says, my shepherd, my shepherd does that. And David, who, who wrote this psalm, he had a lot of reasons to be stressed or to have anxiety or to go into depression. When he was a boy, uh, when the prophet came to his family to anoint the next king, his dad didn't even think he was worthy to be in the lineup and didn't have him there. They had to go back to the field and call him back. If you get overlooked by your dad, that causes some issues in your life. Amen? Then King Saul, when he realizes, hey, man, God's hand is on David's life, gets really jealous, and he sought to kill David. And for a lot of David's life, he literally ran for his life. If you fear for your life day and night, that can give you anxiety, fear, or depression. What's more, he had to fight bears. He fought lions. He literally walked through very real dangerous valleys. He fought and defeated Goliath. And when he ultimately became king, he had to bear all of the weight of what it really did mean to be king. And in seasons, you, you can see like David felt like he had been forgotten by God. You read some of the Psalms and David's like, oh, he's so near to me. He's, he's, he's right here. I can sense his presence. You, you flip the page and the next Psalm, David's like, God, where are you? You're here. Where'd you go? You're so near. I can't find you. So David knows what it's like. He led armies into battle. He sinned. Uh, in a huge way, and then killed a guy to cover it up. So David's not just some innocent little shepherd. He had, he had struggles, and he knew how those struggles could really have the power to, to tear your heart and to tear your life apart. Yet he writes for us this. Look what he says. Even though, even though I walk through the valley. See, here's what, here's what David didn't say. David didn't say, if I ever walk through a valley. You know, just in case I ever hit a rough part in life. No, David knows that a valley is a certainty. David knows that trouble is a guarantee. David says there's going to be valleys. But it doesn't say, if I die or or if I stop. But rather, it says, look, even though I walk through the valley. He says, I know I'm not going to stop there. So listen, look, look right at me. The sooner that you realize that this world has problems that will affect your life, the sooner you're going to stop allowing valleys to determine your future. The sooner you realize that this world has problems that are going to affect your life, the sooner you stop allowing valleys to determine your future. Because David says, yeah, there's valleys. But I'm not going to be controlled by my circumstance. I'm going to be led by a shepherd through the valley. Because valleys are not dead ends. Do they have disappointments? Do they have frustrations? Do they have discouragements? Yes, they do. But but valleys don't have to be disasters. Because the reality is, in the shepherding world, valleys are just a means to get you to higher ground. I don't want to be in this valley. God says, I know I'm taking you somewhere. I don't want to be in the valley. God says, I know we're going through it because I'm taking you to higher grounds. Valleys, they're going to happen, but they don't have to define us. Two things I want you to know why valleys are important. Number one is this. Valleys, and they're the the best way to get to the top. And here's why. Shepherds would lead their sheep up a mountain. Because as the snow mounts, it reveals more fresh green grass higher up the mountain. But the only way to get up the mountain to the the, the green grass is to go through 
the valley. Every mountain has its valley, deep ravines, rocky cliffs, but the best way to the top of any mountain is always through these valleys. If you go to the mountains of East Tennessee or you go to North Carolina or you go to the Rocky Mountains, there's going to be these massive mountains and there's going to be roads that have been built. And do you know how those roads navigate the mountains to get to the top? They go through the valleys. Do you know why? Because, man, you can't just be airlifted to the top of life. This is not the way it works. And we want it. We, we, we want to be airlifted to the top. But the reality, the best way to get to the top of the mountain is through a valley. And our shepherd knows that. Let me ask you all a question. How many of you all have ever heard the statement, show of hands, God will never give you more than you can handle? Show of hands. Yeah, that's a lie. Let me, let me learn, teach you one of the Greek words that I learned when I was earning my master's. Um, fancy Greek word when somebody tells you that and you can respond. It's baloney. <laughs> That's not true. Because believing that God will never give you more than you can handle sets you up for failure. Why? Why does it set me up for failure? Because then you think I have to always rely on my own strength. I got to get through this. I got to carry myself through this. But David says, I got a shepherd who leads me through it. God regularly gives us more than we can handle so that we look to his strength and we look for his supply and we look for his presence in the midst of anything and everything. And the fastest way to the top is always through the valley. You're only going to get to the green grass on the top is through the valleys. And valleys are dark and they're scary and there's predators there. But listen, what's interesting is when a shepherd leads their sheep, they almost always lead out front. But when they enter into a valley, they don't lead from out front anymore. They move into the middle. They move right into the middle of the herd because, hey, man, the, the, the sheep have learned to trust me. The sheep know my voice, and I'm going to be right here in the middle of them so that I am so close to them. They can sense my presence as we enter into the valley. Valleys are the best way to the top, but it's also a great place of provision because the shepherd moves in closer than he's ever been. And you may be saying, wait, I walked in here today in a valley. Well, you know what? Welcome, welcome to a group of people that also struggle with that. And welcome to a God who says, I want to be more near to you now than ever before. Yes, you're in a valley, but yes, I am with you. Yes, there is danger. Yes, there is things that might freak you out, but stay with me. Because this, this is going to take you somewhere. We're not staying here. Valleys are the fastest way to the top, but they're also this. Valleys pro provide the best water and the best food. As they're heading to the high country to graze, the best food on the way and the best water is always found in a valley. The best grass on the way to the highlands is always found beside streams. He leads me beside still waters. And the valley, that's where calm water is, not rushing water. And you want to lead your sheep to drink beside calm water and not rushing water. Because sheep aren't that smart. They'll drink beside rushing water and they'll fall in and they'll drown. Why do they drown? You ever try to swim in a Snuggie? Sheep will drown in rushing water. But the best food and the best water is found in the valley. And yeah, predators hang there. And there's flash flood and there's avalanches. And God takes us there, but he spares no trouble to keep us safe there, but also to keep us feeling his protection and provision there. But the problem is sheep get into a valley and they sense danger. And their first inclination is to run. The problem is when they run, they run away from the shepherd. But in a valley, the shepherd moves closer and he says, hey, 
I am with you. Stay by me. And not only does he do that, but look, look at what else David says in the next verse. He says, you, talking about God, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, you prepare a table. You prepare food. You prepare nourishment. Any of you had moms that would wake you up in the morning with, with food, the smell of food coming up the stairs, you know, crackling bacon or Pop-Tarts or whatever they would cook, and that smell of food would get you up. And God is saying, hey, I know you're in a valley, and I know there's enemies all around, but don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at what is going on. Look right at me and sit and eat with me. Dine with me. Eat with me, sit with me. And some of us, we we just want God to take away the valleys, remove all of the doubt, remove all of the anxiety, take all of the things away. But God doesn't often remove it. He takes us through the valley and in the midst of the valley, he says, look, look at me. And David says, God has prepared a table for me in the presence of my, he's given me food, given me dinner with my king. How amazing would it be to sit down for a meal with God? Oh, it'd be amazing. I'd ask him for fajitas. I gotta be honest. And like real fajitas, you know, the ones that come on a sizzling plate and they, they cut against the grain in their strip. Not like the fajitas I could find around here. If y'all know good fajitas, y'all, y'all email me, find me where to get good fajitas. But how amazing would it be to just sit and eat with God. How, how amazing would it be to sit down and have a meal with God and just sit down and dine with your king? David said, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you realize you can have the same experience? Because the word of God is, is, is referred to as, as, as meat, as milk, as nourishment. And, and in the valley, we say, God, God, take it away. We, we either want to fight or we want to flight. And God says, don't do either. Don't, don't fight. Don't run. But this, this is what we learn from this. What do I do in a valley? Number one, sit down and eat. God says, hey, man, I, I see you. And I know that the valley is difficult. But I sit down with my king and your presence makes me strong. Your word, your, your word comforts me. And sometimes we're dominated by fear and issues and struggles, not because we don't have any faith, but because we're not feeding the faith that we do have. And we want God to just remove it. But God says, hey, I'm not gonna remove it. I'm gonna feed your faith so that you'll trust me and then walk through this valley with me and come out even stronger on the other side. And it's very likely that God's just not gonna remove valleys from our life because if they were removed, we, just, we wouldn't depend on him. We wouldn't depend on his word. And listen, everything we have right now is on demand. We don't like to wait for anything in our culture. I don't even want to wait for microwave popcorn in my house. But God says, sit down and eat. Sit down and eat and let your faith grow. Sit down with your king and let your faith become strong. Let it run fear out of town. Let your faith dominate your life because valleys aren't going to go away. But what if we have a faith so strong as a group of people that regardless of the valley we walk into, we can say, I know my shepherd, I know my king, and I don't like that valley, but I am going to walk through it. And we can all make a commitment this week to just, just eat a little bit more. I know it's 2020, we're trying to lose weight, but you need all of this you want. You can dine with your king as much as you want. We we, we feed our faith in valleys, man. They're not going to stand a chance.
So, so God has prepared it. Let's, let's chew on it. God has given us something to eat. Let's feast on it. My wife goes out of town occasionally. She doesn't go out of town very often. I travel more than she does. But when she does go out of town, she takes really good care of us. I have three kids, 14, soon to be 12, and nine, and she meal plans. She goes to the grocery, and she buys all of the food. She organizes it, and here's how you do, and here's the recipes, and she'll call me up. How's it going? What'd y'all eat tonight? I'm like, jerky. <laughs> Pop-tart. <laughs> But I made all that food. I bought all that food. I meal planned it for you. I know. I'm just trying to keep them alive till you get back. I'm just being honest. I know you prepared all of this, but I'm just trying to get by. God's like, this, this, this is living, active, breathing. The Bible says sharper than any two-edged sword. Like food for our life. And God is saying, sit down and eat with me. Dine with me. Spend time with me prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies so that we can learn regardless of what's going on around me, I can have a peace in my soul because I'm with my shepherd no matter what. And if we're gonna have faith in the valley, we gotta sit and eat with our king. Feed your faith. Because the enemy will twist you up. The the enemy will mess you up. The enemy will try to tell you something is that isn't. Um, I want you all to do an experiment with me for a minute. We're going to put some words up. And what I don't want you to do is read the word. I just want you to say the color that the word is. Does that make sense? So don't read the word. Just say the color that the word is. Okay, you all ready? And when I do this, I just want you to read them out loud as fast as you can. One, two, three, go. <laughs> oh, y'all should hear yourselves. Some of y'all did great. Some of y'all were like, hey, green, blue, red, yellow, black, purple. Others, y'all were like, this is a psychological exercise designed to separate your right brain from your left brain and cause them to come back together and explode. And some of y'all felt that like, ah, listen, there's a point. The, the, the enemy will take something that God has created. So, so God will come along and say, hey, this, this is blue. But the enemy will say, no, 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 that's green. It's green, it's green, it's green, it's green. Our God will say, hey, no, 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 this is green. And you'll say, no, 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 I see blue. I see blue. And the enemy will take what God has said and he'll twist it. And you'll walk into a valley and God is saying to you, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But the enemy's going, where's your God? Because you're hurting right now. Where's your God? Because there's pain right now. Where's your God? Because there's tears right now. Where's your God? Because this is happening right now. God says, man, I'm never going to abandon you. But the enemy will whisper into your life. You're too far gone. You've messed up yet again. God says, man, you are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens you. But the enemy says, you haven't done anything, nor will you ever. God says, listen, there is no sin too deep, too far, and failure is never final. But the enemy is whispering into your hearts because God doesn't really know how big your sin is. And valleys have a really, really, really easy way of making us think what's true isn't and see things that aren't. 
Sometimes it's the enemy, but sometimes we just, we just don't see rightly. The Bible says in this world we see dimly almost like looking through a vapor. And the reason why we gotta sit down and eat is we gotta trust his word. And we've gotta learn that his promises don't, don't ever fail. Because the question is not, hey, how many valleys am I gonna walk through? And how big are the valleys gonna be? And how dark are the valleys gonna be? And will I have to go through another valley? That's not the question. The question is, when a valley comes, how will I respond? The question is not, are they coming, church? The question is, when they come, how will I respond? And with Christ, we can respond calmly and fearlessly with a life full of faith where we have seen God do things over and over and over and over in our lives and in our community of faith's life. We have seen that he has been tested and proven. And yes, I went through a valley, but I didn't die. Yes, I went through a valley, but I went through a valley and my God carried me more than he's ever carried me before. And we can be a group of people with faith encourage, and then encourage one another to say, hey, he is not going to leave us. We can get to the mountaintop that we're all headed towards. But sometimes it's through a valley. Dr. Charles Cooley, who's the dean of American sociology, says this. He says, your self-worth and your self-image is often determined in large part by what you think the people or person that, that matters most to you think about you. It says your self-image and your self-worth is determined in large part by the person or people who matter most to you, what, what they think about you. So, so boil it down. It's the, the person that matters most to you who has the loudest voice in your life. And based on that loudest voice in your life, that's where your self-worth and your self-image is determined. And some of us are listening to the wrong voice. There's a voice that's screaming in your head and in your life and over your life that you shouldn't listen to. You need to tell the devil that he's a liar and listen to the voice of God and sit and eat with him and let his voice be the most dominant voice in your life because God's word says he sings over us and he delights over us and start believing the promises of God that he never leaves and he never forsakes and he saves and he redeems and he restores and he leads and he guides that our king can do anything and everything Start believing those promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, Every promises of God is yes in Christ. What does that mean? It means it's done. We're not waiting to find out how the story ends. It means everything that God has ever said is already complete in Christ. And then it says, and then, and then we give an amen to the glory of Christ. Because God, everything that you ever said was going to be is already done. I get to rest and sit on it. Now I just get to give an amen to that. And amen just means I agree. Let it be so. I agree. And some of y'all, some of us, we have, we have amens yet to give. Because we still don't quite believe that, man, all of the promises of God are yes. But they are. And sometimes it's a valley that tells us that those promises aren't true. Sometimes it's anxiety or fear or depression or another issue. I don't know if all of his promises are yes, they are. All of his promises are yes. And I just want it to be true in your life that he is good, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he's reaching out to you this morning to say, know me, follow me, believe in me. You are not here in church by accident. God brought you here to hear about a shepherd that wants to know you. 
He wants to love you. He wants to lead you. And he wants to speak to you this morning. And we're going we're gonna to sing again in just a moment. But I want to invite you to a time of just reflection. So I'm just going to invite you to, hey, man, close your eyes, bow your heads. And for those of you in the room this morning, as, as we get ready before we sing, if you, are, if you are not a follower of Jesus this morning, then, man, I say to you, why not? If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you are not a Christian, if you are not sure, then I believe God brought you here this morning so that you could respond in faith to Jesus by saying, Jesus, I am not, I am a sinner and I am broken, but I long for a savior. And if that's you, cry out to him this morning. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. Take that card, fill it out, but I wanna follow Jesus. Drop it in the buckets on the way out. Tell someone, and then we're just gonna reach out to you and say, hey, let's celebrate, let's grab coffee, let's, oh, let's celebrate that God has done this work in your life. Do that. Don't leave without doing that. But if you are a Christian, what is God asking of you this morning? We're just going to give you some silence and some reflection. Is God calling you to eat more? Is God calling you to trust his voice? Is God calling you to long for his presence in the valley? We're going to give you 30 seconds of silence to seek his face. you're our living hope. Lead us, God, besides the waters. Lead us through the valley. Lead us to the mountaintops that we all long for, knowing that, yeah, we're going to walk through some valleys, but our shepherd is with us. Thank you, Jesus, for a place to gather and sing your truth, preach your truth. Our hearts and lives are open to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing.